Hello, and welcome to a special presentation of Harper Audio Presents, recorded at the American Booksellers Association's Winter Institute in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Winter Institute is a gathering of independent booksellers, publishers, and authors. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is... I'm Laura McBride, and the name of my book is Round Midnight. It's published by Touchstone Books. It'll come out May 3rd, 2017. Laura McBride is a writer and community college teacher in Las Vegas, Nevada. She once thought of herself as an adventurer, having traveled far from home on little more than a whim and a grin, but now laughs at the conventional trappings of her ordinary life. I think that the most beautiful thing about fiction is that it's an empathetic journey and it's an act of imagination, not just for the writer, but for the reader. And so I double down on that in every way when I write. And I want to go on an empathetic, imaginative journey, and I want my reader to do that too. And so I try to dive into lives that are different than mine, that put people in experiences that I haven't had. And if I were to give it to a reader, I would say um, it's a chance to dive into other people's lives. It's a chance to dive into other people's lives. And I, having never been to Las Vegas, feel like Las Vegas was a character. And it, I, I'm, frankly, I'm scared to go to Las Vegas. It's just, I, I, it concerns me in, in every way, shape, and form. I get very easily overstimulated. But so I felt like you took me to Las Vegas in a very distinct time period. And I got to go there and travel there, you know, sort of within the safety of my own home. So I really appreciated that. Did you think of Las Vegas as a character? Well, I love writing stories about Las Vegas. I've lived there a long time. And I totally appreciate where you're coming from. I always say that I jinxed myself because I met someone from Las Vegas when I was 22 years old and I was living in Paris, France. And out of my mouth came the words, oh, that's one place I'll never go. Oh, my goodness. And then now look at <laughs> how, and now long, I have and how long have you lived here? Almost 30 years. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and um, it took me a long time. I'm also easily overstimulated. And there were so many things about Las Vegas that were not natural to me. Um, but I have lived a wonderful life there. And I feel like it's a very interesting place and a very American place and an opportunity to tell all sorts of stories. So um, I forget almost what your question was. Oh, was I thinking of Las Vegas as a character? No, not exactly as a character, but I was always thinking that Las Vegas affords the perfect opportunity to do what I want to do, which is put unlikely and very different people together and think about a moment of time in which their lives might come together and then go backwards from that. Yeah, the yeah. reader reads it in the other way. You go forward towards the moment of time where they intersect. But in my mind, I start with their intersection yes, and go and backwards to backward. where, where they all came from and how they ended up at that moment. So please tell us about the four female protagonists in Round Midnight. So there are four women. They're very different from each other. It takes 60 years to knit their lives together. The first character that the reader would meet is June. She grows up in New Jersey. She goes to Nevada for a quickie divorce in the 50s when she's 21 years old. 
Um, and she finds herself going back. When she goes back home to resume her life without a wedding, a marriage, um, she finds that she's different. And so that all happens by page three in the book. I yes, haven't given exactly. away a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, she goes to Las Vegas, she marries, and she and her husband start really a casino empire. Um, and then there is Honorata, and she is a Filipino mail-order bride. She goes to Las Vegas with um, the man who brings her over from the Philippines, and she's there for a weekend, um, and her life changes while she's there. I had been thinking about Honorata for probably 25 years, probably almost the whole time I've been in Las Vegas, because there was a story about such a woman um, in the newspaper when okay. I first got there. Uh, and then there is Coral. She's a born and raised Las Vegan. She is an African-American woman. She's a school teacher. And her past, her birth, her, her origins are all kind of shrouded in mystery. She never knows where she came from or why. And the last character, the youngest character, and the one the reader would meet last in the book is Engracia. And she is a migrant from Mexico, very young woman, comes when she's 16 years old with her baby uh, to, to give that child a better life. And as you say, it's an extraordinary sort of way that you weave in and out of, of these characters' lives. And it, it's, it's, a great, it's a great read, and I, I thank you for thank it. Thank you. I'm, I want to ask you, I'm going to play a little game with everybody while I'm here at Winter Institute, and it's going to be sort of a variant on the Proust questionnaire. So, And sort of like when you open up your fortune cookies and you add in bed, <laughs> I'm going to take some of those questions, and I'm going to say as a writer— so what is your, marked char- your most marked characteristic as a writer? As a writer? I hope it's empathy. Okay. What do you think is your principal deficit as a writer? Oh, I can be pretty hard on myself. Um, as a writer... I have a hard time creating an evil character. <laughs> okay, interesting. Because of your, of your empathy, maybe you can't make them evil enough. <laughs> they um, always turn out to have a redeeming quality. Yeah. That's Even cool. when I don't intend it. <laughs> it and it's not up. because I'm trying to go there. It's yeah, really because it as I keep on. diving into them, then people have lives. Yeah. What are your favorite names as a writer? I love Honorata and Gracias names. And what natural gift would you like to possess as a writer? As a writer? As I was going to say, I'd like to fly. That doesn't work. <laughs> okay, that's as a human. <laughs> um, I'd like to be super photogenic. So I can notice. <laughs> You'd like your book jacket photo? I would like my book jacket cover to be better. <laughs> All those horrible videos. <laughs> I know. Isn't it great we're not doing video? We're just yes, sitting here it's chatting. fantastic. All right. That's a good one. Uh, what's your current state of mind as a writer oh. here at the Winter Institute at, uh, in Minneapolis in the middle of okay, winter? Okay. My life is so hopeful right now. I published a, I mean, I wrote another book when I thought I wouldn't possibly be able to do so. A very close member of my family is well after being ill for a long time. Um, and... I'm grateful for my life, and I'm terrified at the sort of um, lack of empathy that I feel like is happening in our and national conversation, yeah. and it's very painful. And I, I live in a place that's um, 
very, very mixed politically. Not just live in that place. I live in that place. Yeah. I, yeah. I love these people. Yeah. I know these people. I'm, I'm doubled down in every way. I work at a community college with lots of um, first-generation students, and I live in a fairly conservative community in other ways, and I feel ripped apart yeah, by what's happening. That's right. Yeah, you really, like you said, you really live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I think many of the folks I'm going to speak to over this weekend in Minneapolis, we are surrounded by like-minded. Mm. But you, you know, you, you demonstrate that it's, you really are hearing it and seeing it from both sides, and it's painful. Yeah, it is pain. There's only there's only one way to describe it. It's painful. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, what do you consider your greatest achievement as a writer? I did it. <laughs> Now, why did you say, I'm interested to hear that you said you wrote another book when you thought that you couldn't. Is that just with the classic, everyone thinks they can't? Or was there something that was specifically challenging? Um, I, have a, I have like everybody else, so I, I don't want to exaggerate this, but I, I have a busy life. I have a full-time yeah. job. I yeah. have a family. Um, my husband was very ill over oh. the three years okay. that um, my first book came out and this book here. I've had the chance to travel a lot with my earlier book, We Are Called to Rise. And all of those things were so wonderful, except my husband. Um, but it did seem like there was just not even, there was no time and there was no heart left mm. to write a novel. Mm. And yet I had a couple of stories in my head. I went halfway through another one. Um, I was inspired to start round midnight by a show that I went to in a funny old nightclub. And I quit it at one point. I just said, you know what? It isn't going to work out. I knew it wasn't going to work out. I tried really hard. It's not going to work out. Um, And then I picked it up again and I worked really, really hard and I stole every not free moment. And I I keep thinking to myself, did I really write it? Did I really get done? Yeah. I'm super proud of it. I love it, but I... Uh, it just seemed like an undoable task that I just kept saying to myself, okay, it's an undoable task, but I'm not quitting now. I'm not going to quit today. Okay, got it. I'll yeah. quit next week. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's sort of like when I, I I run very infrequently, but I say, just just make it to that next tree. Just get Absolutely. Out of that Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so awful. All right. What is your, what is your motto as a, as a writer? I'm thinking it's, it's just, uh, I'll quit next week. Something like that, right? You know, something about <laughs> that, perseverance. <laughs> that is a big piece of it. No, I think my motto is write something I'm proud of. Okay. And I can't control whether anybody else wants to read it or what they think about it, but I can choose to write things that I'm not embarrassed to have written and that I'm not ashamed of. And I, I don't mean, and I mean that as an artist. So yes. I would like it to be beautiful. I can't necessarily control that, but I can try as hard as I can. Um, but I also just want to write about people that I want to read about or that I don't always read about yeah. in other books. Yeah. I, I think that you've certainly accomplished that. This was a very distinct set of people with distinct motivations and challenges. And it, it was, I really think you accomplished that. Thank with you. Round Midnight. I have to ask you, I, I read um, in researching you, I read a line of your bio that said you used to work at a store that sold toys and guns. 
Yeah, it's a wonderful place. It's, a, okay, it's an iconic. It does not seem like a wonderful place, so <laughs> you're going to need to help me out there. I know. And I, How um, does that work? I'm afraid of guns, and I hate guns, and I'm... Um, but um, I, it's in Spokane, Washington. It's okay. called the White Elephant, and it's um, been there forever. And uh, it's it started out as one of those um, military supply stores, I think, long before I was born. And so it sells sporting goods, and the owner had 10 children, no, I think he had 11 children. I should absolutely know that. And so he started selling toys too. And so it sells sporting goods are you and toys to this owner? and guns. I'm not. But okay, I'm, so you're doing something funny with your face. And I'm like, oh, wait no, a I know him very, very well. <laughs> no, he's not my father. He's, he, he could be a father, father though. He's a lovely brother, man. My, oh, sorry. Um, okay, so yeah, so this. And is, I wouldn't have gone to college without that job. I wouldn't have. Is that right? Um, yeah. I would have gone to college. I, and you went to a rather it, prestigious college. I did, and I'm not somebody who comes from a background where that I didn't. I hadn't even heard of Yale when I was a senior and applied to colleges. I you hadn't even heard of it. Really? No, no, I transferred to Yale after I heard about it. After I went away to college, <laughs> um, yes, it was a great job, and they let me come home and work. Like I would come home at if I came home at spring break, which was not typical, or Christmas, they would let me jump in and work, and I would work 57 hours a week, and then you got 17 hours time and a half. Wow. So it was a lot of money at that time, and college was less expensive, and I got scholarships. So I really mean I don't know that I could have uh, left Spokane and done those things. Maybe. My parents were very supportive of college, but my older siblings stayed home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, so if you would, do you want to... Do you want to try to describe the book? Do you want to read your flap copy if you don't? Have to, you <laughs> I haven't even read my flap copy. Oh, I don't haven't? know what's oh, on gosh. there. I don't want to be here if you don't um, like your flap copy. Well, you can always edit this. Um, I, as I was telling you, I've never, this is the first time yeah. I've talked about Round Midnight. Go, I don't, I don't think I have something to read. I could try. Um, your question was to describe Round Midnight. Yeah, just Round please, Midnight. if you could just sort of give it, because I, what I hope for this to do is I want some insight about you, definitely, which I think we really well captured. But I want to give them enough about the book so that they remember it. To read it, and they go thirty-second pitch exactly, and they go buy it. Yeah, Um, to buy it. Round Midnight is the story of four very different women whose lives come together uh, after sixty years, and they both interact with each other, intertwine with and without their knowledge during that period of time. And there are two who are rich and two who are poor, two born in America, two who are immigrants. Um, they, I am struggling here. That's I am okay. not a 30 no, that second actually, that's, person. That's actually very good. <laughs> okay. I really like the two rich, two poor. Just one little sort of wrap up sentence. Right, let me see. And I it takes I, 60 years to wrap one, their lives together? It's a novel about, uh, let's see. Wait, there was one. Mining the rich territory of motherhood and community, Round Midnight is a story that mirrors the social transformation of our nation. Full of passion, heartbreak, heroism, longing, and suspense, it honors the reality of women's lives. I think that my favorite line that someone has said to me about Round Midnight is that it gets to the intimacy and grittiness of women's lives. And I loved reading that. I, I felt like I didn't set out to write a woman's book. Uh, I like writing male characters too, but these characters happen to be women. And 
while they all live in the world very differently and are given very different opportunities and come from different backgrounds and experiences. So they come to their womanhood in various, in very different ways. Um, their, their lives are also so distinctly female. They fall in love, they have children, they have heartbreak. Um, they try, they work. And I love that, the intimacy and grittiness of a woman's life. I love it too. I think that's perfect. And I think that's the perfect way to end. Thank Laura you. McBride, thank you so much. And thank you for Round Midnight. Thanks for listening. All of the books you've heard mentioned here are available at your independent bookstore. And if you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents. Harper Audio Presents.